Striving for mediocrity in a world of excellence, this is The Chaser Report. Now we're joined by the director of the Sydney Film Festival, Nished Moodley. Thank you so much for coming on the show. It's a pleasure. Thanks for having me on the show. We're about, we're halfway through the festival now. How has it been so far? Uh, It's been great. It's been really fantastic to be back in cinemas. I think the audiences have really loved the films. Uh, The filmmakers we have in town have uh, really enjoyed being in the cinema again with audiences. And uh, the reaction to the program has been really fantastic. So we're so very happy to be at this point. The festival was supposed to run in August of this year and then the massive COVID flare-up happened and it got pushed back. Did the program change much from one version of it to the next? Actually, the festival was first meant to happen in June (laughs) and then from June to August and then from August to November. And when we moved from August to November, we anticipated we could lose a great number of films. Mm. Um, And actually, we only lost about 20 films. And, and that was because, of course, some films were, were scheduled for, you know, to be broadcast or to appear on streamers. Because cinemas were closed in mm. Victoria and New South Wales, the main, you know, the main uh, biggest, largest number of cinemas, the impact on us wasn't as much as we expected because, of course, films couldn't release. So many films just chose to, to hold for the festival. So we lost about 20 films and we added about 20 films. Um, but I must say we... We managed to secure so many great films from the Venice Film Festival, from the Toronto Film Festival, so that in the end we we ended up with, that, with what I think is a pretty fantastic program. What's the most notable film of the festival, in your opinion? Uh, that, that's hard to. That's a really tough <laughs> yeah, uh, question. But I, I'd say, for instance, I mean, many films have sold out, mm. um, but there was a, a really great anticipation and enthusiasm for Jane Campion's mm. new film, The Power of the Dog. She hasn't made a feature film in, in more than 10 years, I mm. think. So that was a really exciting screening. I think that was one of the most anticipated films of the festival. But there are many more and many more to come. I, I think uh, Titan, the film that won the, the Palme d'Or in Cannes this year, and is quite a controversial and quite hard going film. Um, there was a lot of anticipation for that. So, so there are a number of films through the program and even yet to come that I think are, are extremely notable. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. I'm on a journey to see 36 films over this um, festival, and I've seen such a wide variety of films so far. How do you decide what goes in it? Like, do you just sit down at the couch with like 20 of you and you're just eating popcorn for days on end to watching films over and over and over again? How do you choose the 200 films? That's not how we do it. <laughs> um, so, typically, my colleague Jenny Neighbor and I would travel to many festivals around the world and watch, watch films. Oh, what a hard um, life. <laughs> I, it's, um, I, I would program uh, primarily the feature films and she programs the documentary films. 
We work with a group of curators who, who work on individual sections like the Freak Me Out section or the Family Film section, for instance. We receive thousands of submissions and have a, a large group of people who watch all those submissions and make recommendations to us. So it's a, it's a process that's quite a long process. We've, we usually we start very soon after one edition on mm. the programming for the next edition. And I've already invited about 20 films for the next festival, which will take place in June. So it, it's a long process. Uh, and what we try to do in that, in that process, because we show quite a large number of films, we try to have a great amount of diversity in that, in that program. Uh, geographical diversity, stylistic diversity, very established filmmakers, very new filmmakers working on their first films, um, and try to have something for everyone so that you know, we get as many people coming into the festival as possible. Are some of the submissions that people send in really shit? <laughs> Not every film that's submitted is <laughs> great. <laughs> uh, we receive thousands of submissions. So if there are thousands, how did, how possibly do you wade through the sheet? Like, well, well, I don't watch every submission, right? No, so right, we yeah. have we have a large group of people who watch, you know, go through all yeah. the submissions. And yes, some films are, are, are not great at all. And and, uh, and and so who are like who are those people? Are they people who think that they've made a good film and don't really know, or? Are they just well, you can opting? make what is technically a film with your with your phone right. in your home, and and right? and do people? They do. Yeah, <laughs> that's extraordinary. And then they submit it, and they go, "Here, we'll win the film festival." Oh, that's really sad. Yeah. I I feel really sad. Look, it's not it's not many, but yes, oh, they. We they, should. Can we happen. can we run a film festival of of the worst of your? Like so, no, you cannot. You, oh, cannot. Okay. you can you can open submissions to your own film <laughs> festival and go yeah. through the process yourself, and, and then you're welcome. <laughs> so, how many films are you seeing each year, Nishan? Ah, uh, several hundred. I I don't count, but uh, several hundred, do maybe they, four or five hundred. Do they blur into one? Because I, I remember with the talks before films, you talk about like Undine, which was this beautiful movie, but you, you talked about how it stuck with you for nearly two years now how do you differentiate the movies in your mind oh that's not difficult for me i i i remember the films i I might not remember every plot point or how it ends you know two years after i first saw it but i I remember the films of course because uh i I met david stratton last year for the first time amazing guy but one of the things that he has is this extraordinary ability to not only recall every film in vivid detail but tell you exactly where he was when he saw it it. yeah Yeah. like like he can remember everything what year yeah Yeah. uh, (laughs) it's it's encyclopedic it's it's freaky i mean i I speak to him fairly often and he'll you know he'll watch something or we might watch something together and he says well that this reminds me of the polish film i saw (laughs) in 1964 the venice film festival and i was sitting in in seat f4 and like and i was (laughs) drinking a soda water yeah and the straw was yeah there's a, a director I know, one of my favorite directors, a Brazilian director, Kleber Mendoza Filho, who's come to, to Sydney Film Festival with each of his feature films. And he also has the ability to remember precisely which cinema he saw mm. every film that he's seen. 
So Xander, how many have you seen so far, Xander? So I've seen at the time of this recording sixteen films, yeah. and I've got seventeen, eighteen, can and nineteen you, this can afternoon. Can you remember anything about any of those sixteen films that you've seen? Yeah, already? I reckon I can remember pretty much all of them. Oh, okay. Oh. But we've got a new David Stratton <laughs> on our hands. Maybe you should hire him as uh, as one of your people to wade through all the shit films. <laughs> we'll see if he makes it through the thirty-six. Yeah, oh, I'm confident. Yeah. yeah. Well, Xander, I must tell you that there are some people, this year it might not be possible, but there are some people that I meet each year who watch like 50 films at least at the festival. Yeah, yeah I tried my to do the most, but I think like with the COVID timing, it is harder to get through more. Exactly. It is. It is more difficult. And and we, and in that way, to, to get to like 50, some, you know, just over 50, you can't be that mobile. You have to stick to one or two cinemas that are close together. Yeah. One of the one of the most interesting things of the festival so far has been running into the people in the stalls, especially the state theatre. And there's people who talk about going to the Sydney Film Festival for thirty years. And there was this one lady who was talking about how they would smuggle out films from the Eastern Bloc um, in in the eighties for a film festival that had a lot of underground elements. And people still remember that. How do you make sure that it still feels artistic now and not too corporatized? Through the films, I think if you watch. The films and and you watch enough films you'll understand that it's certainly not corporatized it's uh still we're still screening films that are considered dangerous in their home countries films that are banned in their home countries films by filmmakers who are banned um there's still very much that spirit of artistic freedom and expression and and creating a, a space for that in sydney as, as there always has been we're showing films from 69 countries this year so it's it's really um not it's really a reaction to the mainstream in in many ways when you consider what you'd see in cinemas in general theatrical release um in this country and this country is is better off than than many um, you're primarily seeing american films um sometimes very mainstream films from india china um french films and not very much else i mean in little in little smatterings of of things from elsewhere so we're showing films from 69 countries so i think that's a, a signal of how seriously we take what's happening in world cinema and and through that what's happening in the world and and you're exempt from censorship laws aren't you films are exempted from classification for the purpose of the festival and many films are already classified but we have the ability through the exemption to present films prior to them being classified Right. Okay. So, so that means that even if it would get banned, you can still show it. Is that right? No. Well, well, you don't know, right? You don't know that the film. I mean, films don't get banned these days, really. Yeah. Very much. I know. So it, it happened not very long ago, but it's a pity. That, that's not really... Did you see Cats? Because that should have been banned. <laughs> <laughs> I saw the trailer. <laughs> Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. 
has this lockdown and trying to run the festival last year and then having to go online and then this year having to delay it a few times, has it changed how you approach festivals in the future? Obviously, hopefully next year we can have filmmakers fly in and we can have some of the big names from around the world come to the festival again. But has it given you any pause to think how you can evolve the format of a film festival or change it for the better going forward? I think we've learned lots of things from this this time. I, you know, we in March last year we had to cancel the the festival. And I'm referring to the 2020 edition, and that was the first time that the festival had not happened in well over 60 years. It was just such a mm. shocking thing for us, and of course, you know, all sorts of horrible things happened around the world. It would have been inconceivable to think of doing an online film festival for us before last year. And, and yet, three months after we cancelled, we were able to mount an online festival, something much smaller than we usually do, of course, but it it showed we could do it. Um, so we've learned lots of things about how that works. We've learned lots of things about how you can engage audiences through presenting films online, presenting panel discussions online, filmmaker talks online. And through all that, I think we discovered that for audiences, for filmmakers, for the festival itself, being in cinemas is the most important thing. It's the best way mm. we can present the festival. But we have all these other options now. And I think over the next few years, we'll work out how to integrate those elements that are most useful. Because having the festival become more accessible to people who cannot get to Sydney or cannot get to the cinema uh, is a really useful thing to have. Mm. But the primary experience, I think, is still having a lot of people there with the filmmaker. That's where the excitement is. Um, we also we also feel that the, the cinema business has gone through such a torrid time. Mm. Uh, so many cinemas around the world have closed down. And we feel we have to support cinemas. And because the future of festivals is inextricably linked with the future of cinemas. Mm. If there are no cinemas, we have no place to show the films mm. we have no place to create that ideal experience so i think we we have to double down almost in our support of that cinematic experience because that's in peril it's it's seriously in peril um is it and- really though i mean I, I don't know about you but literally the day after we got out of lockdown the first thing my kids wanted to do was go to the cinema like and we did we went to the movies you know Oh, that's excellent. Well, you know, your family is uh, a model for. Uh, well, I think it's just because they got to look at a different screen for once. You know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but yeah. no, no, but but I think I'm not sure. Like people say, it's in peril, and of course, you know, COVID's been rough to it. But surely it'll just bounce back. You can't replicate. You know, like you, you just go there and you go, oh yeah, this is so vastly better than sitting at home in front of a shitty oh. little TV. Sure. Look, I, I hope that's the case. I hope that's the case. I hope that, and I, and I I'm certainly not writing cinema off. I, I you better I not be. Exactly. Head of the fucking film exactly. festival. National. I need to get to fifty exactly. films next year. We've got to have enough cinemas open but for no, that I, to be possible. But I, I think it's something we have to support. I think we have to be active about it. We shouldn't take it for granted. Oh, yeah, cinemas right. will always be there. Um, I, I think it's, cinemas have gone through a terrible, terrible time. Mm. So. We shouldn't take it for granted. We have to be aware that uh, there are many options out there. And it's something about cinemas that we have to support, but also enhance the experience, make sure that the programming in, in cinemas 
is right to to attract people mm. uh, in great numbers and for that to keep going. You're, you're completely right that cinema has been written off so many times uh, over its history and it's always come back um, and always thrived. But we have to be mindful. So out, out of interest, it, like I know there's been a lot of interest in Korean sort of cinema in the last few years, especially with Parasite and stuff like that. But are there any other countries that are making interesting and creating a sort of cinematic culture within their own societies that perhaps are a little bit off the radar? Well, there's so many. I, I think, for instance, Romania makes not that many films. Then mm. There are not that many cinemas in Romania, as far as I understand it. But the films are typically extraordinary, just incredible. Yeah. Uh, the small country of Georgia, you don't see many films from Georgia, but whenever I see a film from Georgia, it's pretty amazing. Um, the Balkan region, again, not very many films are made, and, and many are made around the war that still has such a pervasive influence on that society. Mm. And I think those are extraordinary films. I think they're really extraordinary films that make this this body of work by very different filmmakers that looks at this lingering trauma in a, in a, in a way that's, I think, uh, truly moving and, and um, special. It, it creates a very special cinema. So I think you can look at various countries in the world where so much is happening. Korea, of course, has a very big yes. thriving film industry. They're, you know, typically the blockbusters of Korea are Korean films mm. rather than Hollywood Hollywood films, and that was uh, that was very intentional, wasn't it? They they did yeah, that exactly. They, they they basically looked at cinema and went, "Hang on, you know the profitability of filmmaking is enormous. Look at Hollywood. We could do that same thing here." And they and they studied not just Hollywood but Bollywood as well, didn't they? That's right, and created a quota system, which I think no longer exists. But the quota system meant that films that appeared a, a particular percentage of uh, films that appeared in cinemas had to be Korean. Mm. And that built a really amazing industry. And I think a filmmaker like Bong Joon-ho, for instance, might ha- would have tens of millions of admissions for his films in Korea before the film even goes outside mm. Korea. And that's an, that's an amazing thing. There, there aren't many other examples of that. And that's a country just saying, as you say, very actively, let's just do it. Why should we? Why should we give it all away? I reckon we should do the same thing here. I think we should have a minimum quota of Korean films that, that you've got to see <laughs> at the cinema. I think that'd be great. Yeah, they're great. <laughs> Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
Now, Nashan, thank you so much for coming on the show. But just quickly before you go, mm. um, at the end of the film festival this year, do you have any big events coming up? Any galas, anything to cap it off? Or what's it looking like to celebrate? Or is COVID kind of tail... Yeah, there are, no, plans? There, are no, there are no parties for, for the festival this year, which is very odd. There are no events. No! But we, no. But we, do, we do have a closing, you know, closing night where all the awards of the festival will be presented. And then there's a closing film, which is uh, The French Dispatch by Wes Anderson. Fantastic. Oh, wow. I'm, I'm excited for that. But does that mean there's a, there's a space we could potentially organise an underground closing night party? <laughs> there's there's space for you to organize an <laughs> underground closing night party. I would you uh, come in my personal capacity if you invited me, certainly I would come. Oh Woo! wow, yes. <laughs> That's great. You heard it here first. <laughs> Thanks so much for coming on the show, Nash, and it's been amazing. Oh, it's been a great pleasure. Great to speak to you guys. Thanks for having me. Thank, Thank you. you. And you just heard that um, Xander is now the official organiser of the Sydney Film Festival Closing Night Party. Did you hear the first? (laughs) (laughs) Thank you very much for that. Thanks so much. That was fun.